0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's teaching, remember, you can learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance in part one of his teaching in Revelation 14, The Harvest.
1: Revelation 14 tonight, if you're new with us on Wednesday night, we are moving verse by verse through the book of Revelation. We are in the 14th of 22 chapters, and we are dealing with a, a chapter that is packed with stuff, um, but it is captured in harvest imagery. So if you take a look behind me, you'll see the title is The Harvest, and um, Harvest imagery is all throughout our Bibles because the Bible was written in what we would call an agrarian society, a society very much steeped in farming, crops, dependence on rain, uh, cattle, you name it. And so within harvest imagery, in the idea of sowing and reaping, of planting things and harvesting, the Bible uses a lot of what we would call metaphors or pictures to drive points home about spiritual truth. In Galatians 6, 7, Paul says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. That's harvest language. Jesus gave a parable known as the parable of the sower, or sometimes we call it the parable of the soils. He said, the seed is thrown on different soils, And the condition of the soil determines the productivity of the crop. If you remember that story, only one in four soils was productive. And it produced a crop and the rest did not. And so we can see this all over our Bibles. And we're going to see this tonight as we jump back into the book of Revelation. We're picking it up at Revelation 14, 1. And we're going to see a familiar group only mentioned twice in the Bible, the 144,000 This is verse 1. It says, I looked, and behold, the Lamb, that's Jesus, was standing on Mount Zion. We've talked about Mount Zion in 2 Samuel. We'll dig that out a little bit in a second. And with him, 144,000, having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. Now, in Revelation 13, last time we were together, we did a message called the Mark of the Beast. And we examined and, and tried to figure out what this famous mark may be. And we talked about microchips, and we talked about all these ideas of what the mark could be. But in the end, we talked about the fact that it really depicts who you belong to. In Jewish thought, the word of God was to be written on your hand and your forehead. It represented what was in your mind and what you were up to, what your actions spoke of. And they, they really reflect who you belong to. We're not saved by works, but works will show what kingdom we belong to. Works will show the true root. We say that grace is the root, and good works are the fruit. You can't, you can't reverse those. You are saved by grace. That's the root. Good works are the fruit from the root. And that's how you can tell if someone's saved. James, who was from the show me state in the book of James, said, don't just tell me about your faith. Show me, because on a horizontal plane, I can't see the Holy Spirit in you. I can't see if you're born again, but I can know who you belong to by your works. That's a pretty good test. Now, some people can fool us at least some of the time, but you can't fool God. And so people in Revelation 13 were having to face this mark that they would receive either on their hand or their forehead. And if they took the mark, they were in deep trouble. And so um, we'll get to that in a moment. But here's 144,000. And uh, in chapter 7, if you flip back there for a second, Revelation 7, we see the only other description of the 144,000. They are sealed before the day of the Lord commences. Just take a peek at Revelation 7, verse 3 do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. So there's no secret about the who the 144,000 are. And they get sealed. And then in verses 9 through 17, there's this great uh, multitude that appears in heaven. They begin to praise God. And if you just uh, take a peek at Revelation 8, 1, then there's the breaking of the seventh seal. There's an anticipatory silence in heaven for about the space of a half an hour. And then judgment begins to fall. In verse 5, Revelation 8, the angel took the censer. He had filled it with fire, the fire of the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And then you're going to have the trumpet judgments that follow right there. In Revelation 14, if you flip back there, the same 144,000 appear only two times in the entire Bible are they described this way. And they have this mark on their foreheads. Notice it is the name of the Father, Revelation 14.1. It is the name of Jesus and the name of the Father. It is a sign of who you belong to. It is a indication of a seal. Last week we said, whatever the mark of the beast is, it really means you have decided to belong to him instead of belonging to God. You've decided to belong to the world system instead of the kingdom of God. And that mark is an identifier of who you belong to. In the ancient world, slaves were actually marked on the forehead or the hand because typically those areas of your body could not be covered by clothing. And so it would you, you could literally have a branding on your forehead or on your hand. And if you were a fugitive slave, they could even brand you as a fugitive. And so this seems to be the symbolism that is here. This group of 144,000, they are standing. It says, behold, there's the lamb, and they're standing on Mount Zion. It is interesting that Jesus is described as a lamb, and it says, behold, the lamb, in John 129... We are told that John the Baptist said, Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In John 1:35 through 37 it says, Again, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples. He looked upon Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Uh, throughout Scripture, and especially in the book of Revelation, it says these words. Revelation 7.10 says, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Revelation 7:14 says they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Revelation 7:17 7, says the lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd. It's interesting that this lamb in almost a reverse image is actually the shepherd. Usually lambs follow, right? In this case it's flipped around and the lamb is actually the shepherd. But he's depicted as a lamb because of his sacrificial work. Because he is uh, symbolized in the Passover when the Lamb was killed on what we know as um, Lamb uh, or Good Friday, and leading into, of course, or on the day of Passover. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. That's Revelation 12:11. And Revelation 13:8, which is right near where we are in our Bible, says, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain, Revelation 13.8. So the world is going to worship the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, except for those whose names are recorded in heaven. They are written, if you will, in the blood of the Lamb. And so you either are written in the Lamb's book of life or you have the mark of the beast and you can think of this in symbolic terms as well because it is all about what you are marked by. And so notice, this group of 144,000, they have Jesus' name, they have the name of the Father written on their foreheads, and there they are, they're standing on Mount Zion. In Hebrews 12.22, Mount Zion is uh, compared to the heavenly Jerusalem, and it is a, it's possible that it is a symbol For uh, perhaps heaven, we don't know for sure, but Mount Zion is a physical location. In fact, we've identified it as the Temple Mount, as we've done our studies, and I don't know um, what the right answer here is to the exact location of Mount Zion. It could be that they're in heaven. It may not be. But here's what I like to think about as I consider this mark. The world who takes the mark of the beast is going to be marked with something that is 666, the church is marked with 777. Amen? 666 is the mark of the beast or the number of man always falling short of perfection. 777 is the mark of God or the mark of the Trinity. I wouldn't get freaked out, by the way, if you order food and it comes to $6.66. This is more about who you belong to. Are you born again of the Holy Spirit? Do you belong to God or not? That's really the question that we all have to wrestle with. Who do we belong to? What do you believe? I did a memorial service for a 19-year-old young man this last week, and it's a pretty emotional service. And um, ultimately, as we tried to encourage one another in that service, we said these words. It really comes down to what you believe, or in whom you believe. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, if there wasn't a heaven, I would have told you. Isn't that cool? Jesus said, if there was no heaven, I would have told you. And it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, there is a heaven. And Field of Dreams told us there's a heaven. So if you've ever seen that movie before, you already know the answer, right? And I heard a voice from heaven, Revelation 14 too, like the sound of many waters. That's powerful. Think of like Niagara Falls.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walking Truth.
1: Do you belong to God or not? That's really the question that we all have to wrestle with. Who do we belong to? What do you believe? I did a memorial service for a 19-year-old young man this last week, and it's a pretty emotional service. And um, ultimately, as we tried to encourage one another in that service, we said these words. It really comes down to what you believe or in whom you believe. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, if there wasn't a heaven, I would have told you. Isn't that cool? Jesus said, if there was no heaven, I would have told you. And it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, there is a heaven. And Field of Dreams told us there's a heaven. So if you've ever seen that movie, before, you already know the answer, right? And I heard a voice from heaven, Revelation fourteen two, like the sound of many waters. That's powerful. Think of like Niagara Falls, and like the sound of sound of loud thunder, Revelation fourteen two. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists. So you have different images: many waters, loud thunder, both powerful sounds, and here. There's the sound of harpists, which in the modern uh, vernacular would be the sound of guitars. So um, there were stringed instruments back in the day. David played a stringed instrument. He was the known as the sweet psalmist of Israel. And so this, this voice, if you look, the voice from heaven, verse 2, is a combination of many waters, loud thunder, and guitars. I don't know how you uh, conclude what that really sounds like, Although my grandmother would say that was the sound of our garage band back in the day. Years ago, we had a two-story house, and I was learning to play drums up in my bedroom. And my grandmother would always sit in a rocking chair downstairs. And so I would do what I thought was pretty well on the drums. And I would come downstairs, and my grandma would say, what's the matter with you? All I hear is the ba-boom, the ba-boom, ba-boom. Play something. I was like, grandma. I was playing something. Ah, it's just a ba-boom, the ba-boom. Anyway, then my stepbrother picked up the electric guitar, and it was a cacophony of sounds that my grandmother still did not appreciate. Anyway, Revelation fifteen two. just look ahead for a second. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished and i saw as it were a sea of glass mixed with fire something like a red sea those who had come off victorious from the beast and from his image from the number of his name standing on the sea of glass holding harps of god and they sang the song of moses the bondservant of god and the song of the lamb and then they begin to laud god or praise god great and marvelous are your works o lord god the almighty righteous and true are your ways thou king of the nations. So you can see um, in Revelation 7 and 14, a similar um, parallel. Think with me for a second. In Revelation 7, the 144,000 are sealed, and then you have this this, uh, group that appears in heaven out of the great tribulation, and then they celebrate. They have palm branches in their hand, and then the wrath of God comes on the unbelieving world. In Revelation 14, so 7 and 14, parallel tracks, you have the 144,000 again. You have them singing to God, celebrating before God. And what you're going to see is after the picture of them, you're going to see the judgment of the earth. Those who uh, take the mark are going to be judged. They're going to drink the wine of the wrath of God. And then you move into Revelation 15, and this group is singing uh, the song of Moses. And so here's how this works. Following the ceiling of the 144,000 in chapter seven comes the trumpets. Following the ceiling of the 144,000 in chapter 14 comes the bowls in chapters 15 and 16. You may not have any interest in this, but some of you are interested in how this lays out. And so what you may have is very similar timing on these things. First, the, the people in heaven, the saved, the, the ones who are with the Lord, and then the judgment comes, and the saved are celebrating with the Lord. Revelation 14.3, they sang a new song before the throne and before the, the four living creatures and the elders, 14.3. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. Now, I am not quite sure why others can't learn the song I don't know if it's because it's difficult in structure or if it's only for them. Uh, being purchased from the earth should not be unique to the 144,000 because every Christian has been purchased, redeemed. That's the idea of purchase from the slave market of sin bought uh, by the blood of the lamb. So this is a song unique to them. Uh, it could be that this represents Jewish people who have come to know Jesus during the Great Tribulation. Their eyes have been opened, so it's a unique song to them. I don't know exactly all of the, uh, uh, the, the nuances there, but I will say this. Um, what's your song? Here's a question. Is your song lately sad, mad, lonely, have you been listening to country and western songs lately? Jeez. Did you lose your girlfriend and your dog and <laughs> no. Are you singing the same old song? Are you stuck in the same old rut? Look, sometimes it's it's nice to reminisce. Some old songs that I listen to, you know, from the good decades like the 80s for example. Can I get a witness? I can't believe the 80s are considered oldies now. I'm like, no, that hasn't really happened to me, has it? And it's funny how things come full circle because a lot of the young people now like music from the 70s and 80s. Huh? It was real music back then. Anyway. But sometimes a song will take me back to a time in my life. And it could be very positive or not so good at all. And uh, anyway, I waited patiently for the Lord, David wrote in Psalm 40, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Psalm 144, 7 through 10 says, Stretch forth your hand on high. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters, out of the hand of aliens, whose mouths speak deceit, whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to thee, O God. Upon a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to thee, who does give salvation to kings, who does rescue David, his servant, from the evil sword. Psalm 144, 7 through 10. Jesus gives me songs in the night. Um, I've learned that what I put into my head does really matter. Have you ever uh, gone back and listened to a song that you liked maybe back in the day, maybe in your BC days, and then you actually listened to the lyrics of that song? And you're like, ooh, wow! And something you used to rock out to in your car, now your children are in the back seat and you say, oh, no, 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 no.
0: <laughs>
1: See no evil. Speak of no evil. I hear no evil. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> wow. What has captured your heart? Years ago, Hillsong sang a song in the morning and in the evening, I can't stop praising your name. Nothing comes close to praise. Nothing. You've been listening
0: to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part one of his teaching in Revelation chapter 14 about the harvest. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but I'd like to remind you that Walk in Truth is a program supported by our faithful listeners and church members, but we could use your help too. A monthly pledge of at least $5 goes a long way to make sure we can pay everything that goes into producing this program. We appreciate everyone that supports Walk in Truth, and we hope you become a partner too. As a thank you, we'll send you a gift for becoming a $5 monthly partner. If you'd like to mail in your donation, please make your check or money order out to Walk in Truth. Our mailing address is Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Or you can give online at Truth. Dot com. Thank you for your partnership in this mission to reach out with God's Word. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and friend, I'd like to remind you that Walk in Truth is now podcasting. Yes, you can listen whenever you want on your smartphone, on your tablet. You can get the teachings in Revelation. You can go back and listen to the ones at the beginning. You can hear other teachings about uh, from Walk in Truth when you search for Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. You can search iPodcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many, many more. I'd like to encourage you to get into fellowship as well, as we've been encouraging on these radio programs, and go to a good, solid Bible-teaching church. You know, if a church says they're Bible-believing, that's awesome. Every church should be. But make sure they're teaching the Word of God, and preferably in an expository fashion, verse by verse, through books and chapters of the Bible. Now remember, friend, you're always invited to come to church at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in this city of Corona, where I have the honor and privilege of serving as senior pastor. We have two services every Sunday. One's at 9, the other's at 11.15 a.m. The church is right off the 91 Freeway in Lincoln Avenue. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way. That's 1009 Arsenal Way, In the city of Corona. To get all the information, directions, access, a lot of resources, download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Just look for the red logo with the pillars. Download it today. Make sure you check out the podcasting as well. And I hope to see you this Sunday. But if I don't see you, make sure you're somewhere in church in that strong Bible teaching church.
0: Be sure to come back on Monday to hear part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation 14 about the harvest. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. In addition to our faithful listeners and financial partners, this program is made possible by our staff. Executive Administrative Pastor Mike Rizzi, Audio and Video Technician Nathan Lance, Program Director Rob Newton, Graphic Arts Director Brenda Lance, Walk in Truth Store Admin Laurie Bondi, financial admin, Claudia Rizzi, and senior pastor, Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.